Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. More than a pleasure to have the great U.S. Senator from the great state of Vermont, where I spent many a great summer growing up in Massachusetts, uh, Senator Bernie uh, Sanders, elected to the Senate in 06, served 16 years in the House prior to that. He is the longest-serving independent member of Congress in American history. Senator Sanders, always a pleasure. Happy Monday. I hope your holidays behind us went well and the upcoming ones go well for you and your family. Well, thank you, and it's great to be with you, Leslie. Um, Let's talk about, you know, a lot of times there are people in your position who— I find on the right Republicans who like to, you know, complain about everything that, you know, you and the Democrats who you caucus with normally, um, you know, say or do with regard to the economy. And they do a lot of complaining, but they never seem to put forth a plan or have an agenda or have details. And I have to say, you do. <laughs> you have uh, not just an agenda for our nation. An economic agenda, which is the number one concern, as you know, of uh, all Americans, regardless of their ideology. And you have details. Uh, So let's talk about this. This is a progressive economic agenda. And obviously, it is your intention with this this plan to reverse a 40-year decline of American middle class. And, And I think that's key because there are a lot of people who feel Democrats cater to the poor and Republicans cater to the rich. And what happens to the rest of us in between? Well, that's absolutely right. I, I think most people uh, know, Leslie, that the middle class of this country is, is disappearing uh, and that the gap between the very, very rich and everybody else is growing wider. And it's one thing to talk about the problems, and it's important that we do that, but it's another thing to come up with an agenda that rebuilds the middle class, puts our people back to work, raises income, provides health care to all people, uh, and, and does the things that we need to restore our position in the world. Uh, and that's what our 12-point agenda does. And by the way, people can get it on our website, sanders.senate.gov. Most importantly, uh, in, to my mind, Leslie, we have to understand that real unemployment is not 5.8%. Uh, real unemployment is over 11% if you include those people who have given up looking for work and those people who are working part-time when they want to work full-time, and there are a whole lot of them. What we have to do, among other things, is rebuild our crumbling infrastructure. That's our roads, bridges, water systems, rail, airports, etc., which in many ways are collapsing and are falling further and further behind many other countries. If we were to invest $1 trillion in rebuilding our infrastructure, and remember, we spent $3 trillion on a war in Iraq that we never should have gotten into. If we invest $1 trillion, do you know how many decent-paying jobs we can create? Like a wild and crazy guess. Oh, God. That is not my strong point, Senator, so I'll leave it to you to give us the real facts. The answer (laughs) is 13 million decent-paying jobs. How's that? 13 million. 13 million jobs. The scientific community knows 
that climate change is real, that we have a window of opportunity to cut carbon emissions and transform our energy system. If we move aggressively to weatherization, energy efficiency, uh, to sustainable energies like wind, solar, geothermal, etc., we can also create significant numbers of jobs while leading the world in reversing climate change, an issue of enormous importance. I think most listeners know that women today earn about 78 cents to what a, a male worker makes doing the same work. We have to pay equity in America do that. Uh, we have to raise the minimum wage to a living wage. I was just on a demonstration last week with very courageous uh, fast food workers who are dealing with you know jobs that pay them eight or nine bucks an hour. That's not acceptable. We have to raise the minimum wage uh, to a living wage. Uh, in my view, we should be joining the rest of the industrialized world and not be the only country, a major country on earth that doesn't guarantee health care to all people as a right through a single-payer health care system. Uh, in my view, we have got to deal with the problem of Wall Street, which is incredibly wealthy, incredibly powerful, which is not using their resources, their, the banking system, to put money into the productive economy, but is using it just as an end to itself to make money for them. And I think we've got to break up some of the major financial institutions. I think we have to expand Social Security, not cut it. I think we need real tax reform uh, in the sense that one out of four major corporations pays nothing in federal uh, taxes. And collectively, corporations are contributing way, way less uh, in tax revenue uh, as, than, they, than they used to. So those are just some of the issues. But the bottom line is that right now the people on top have incredible wealth, incredible political power, uh, and if we don't stand up to them and try to have government work for you know, all of the people in this country, I think our future is not very bright. You said on the Senate floor uh, just that, quote, are we prepared to take on the enormous economic and political power of the billionaire class, or do we continue to slide into economic and political oligarchy? Uh, Senator, this is something that crosses and transcends political uh, lines and ideology that Americans are upset with, recognize, and also are pretty much aware of the danger if we continue to have this income inequality going future, this disparity in wages. And and I don't think uh, many of those people who are drinking the uh, you know Republican Kool-Aid are fully understanding this isn't a matter of a bunch of people in the middle class just whining. This is a matter of economic disaster if we don't stop this uh, inequality, this imbalance economically in our nation. Uh, Leslie, you're absolutely right. Uh, and, and I think it saddens me very much, and we have got to do a better job to allow some of these working-class folks who function within the Tea Party to understand who started the Tea Party and what their ideology is about, and that's the Koch brothers. Um, the Koch brothers' agenda uh, has been very clear for many, many years. They want to not cut Social Security. They want to end Social Security, end Medicare, end Medicaid, and end virtually every piece of legislation passed since the 1930s, which protect the interests of working families. And that is not what most people uh, in the Tea Party believe. But I'm not sure that we have gotten through to them. So I think we do need, I think your point is well taken, that these ideas go across the political spectrum. I don't think anybody is comfortable with the fact that 95% of all new income since the Wall Street crash goes to the top 1%, or that you have one family, the Walton family, owning more wealth than the bottom 40% of Americans. I don't think there are a whole lot of people comfortable with that. 
So we've got to bring people together around an economic agenda that says we must rebuild America or else our kids and our grandchildren are going to have a significantly lower standard of living than we do, and that's not acceptable. Let's talk about our kids. Is it true that we, out of the major countries, have the highest rate of childhood poverty in the United States? It is absolutely true, and it has been true shamefully for many years. The numbers fluctuate a little bit, but I think it's over 18%. And you look at countries in Scandinavia and Europe who have childhood uh, poverty rates of 3 4 5%, and we are over 18%. We have, I think, a quarter of the kids in this country get nutrition through food stamps. We have a child care system, which is, if any mother out there or father knows that it's a disaster, it's virtually impossible to find good quality, affordable child care in Correct. America. So, you know, we this is the future of our country, and we turn our backs on them. And they said, we don't have enough money for child care. We don't have enough money for education. Oh, we have plenty of money to expand military spending and to give tax breaks to billionaires. You know, I think that is absurd. Why? You know, you saw the outcome of the last election, Mm -hmm. Senator. Why aren't more people angry about this and more people showing up uh, to vote to change this? Because, you know, these are realities that are are hitting home. Many of the people listening to you right now, they're nodding their head. Even me, I have two young kids, uh, know how expensive uh, finding decent um, you know, help can be. Uh, we looked at look at our place in the world with education, and and you talk about how we once led the world in terms of the percentage of our people who graduated college, and we're now in twelfth place. So a lot of people could say we're going to hell in a handbag, and we can't just play, blame the president for this. No, that's right, and I think in fairness to the president, uh, and of course the Democrats didn't didn't make this point very vociferously during the campaign, compared to where we were. Uh, six years ago, when Wall Street crashed and we were losing 700,000 jobs a month, my God, we're in much better shape. But compared to a 40-year trend where male workers, the median male worker today is making $700 less in adjusted uh, inflation accounted for income than he was 41 years ago. Women workers are making less than they made seven years ago. So, yeah, we're better than we were six years ago economically, but we are in, in quite bad shape. And the agenda that I have brought forth, it's not really a radical agenda. It is a pretty common sense agenda that I think on virtually every issue, virtually every issue, has the support of the American people. Poll after poll, and you know, in this recent disastrous election, as you know, four states, conservative states, did what? They voted to raise the minimum wage. Is that a radical idea? I don't think so. Pay equity for women workers, a radical idea? No. Rebuilding our infrastructure? Everybody in America, you know, is on roads and bridges that they know is in, in serious disrepair of water systems, uh, way behind where they should be. That a radical idea to say maybe we invest? We used to lead the world in terms of our infrastructure. Today we are, according to the World Economic Forum, in 16th place. Are we proud of that? So, you know, the issue is not that we don't know what to do. It's it's summoning the political will to take on the billionaire class who are simply concerned about their tax breaks and and, uh, making the rich even richer and say, sorry, that's not working anymore. We need to invest in America and our kids, create the jobs that we need. I agree with you 100% everything you said thus far, and I'm a big believer in investing in our infrastructure. You talk about it, you know, uh, crumbling. You know, when we're talking about rebuilding roads, bridges, water systems, wastewater plants, airports, railroads, and schools, why has this, in your opinion, Senator, become a political issue? Because it really shouldn't be any more 
than uh, climate change and, and scientific um, uh, proven right. facts should be, uh, you know, used for political fodder. Um, is, is it that especially Republicans just live in the now and really don't, you know, give a damn about our, our future generations? Well, I, I think, Leslie, it takes us to uh, campaign finance issues to a significant degree and the power of big money. So if you are a Republican Party, uh, very dependent on the Koch brothers uh, for hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars as a result of Citizens United, and the Koch brothers are, in essence, a fossil fuel company. They do other things, but, you know, a lot of their money comes from fossil fuel. And the Koch brothers' position is, hey, you know, I don't want you talking about climate change. I want you to talk about more dependence on, on oil and, and gas and fossil fuel. What are you going to do? Um, in terms of infrastructure, well, you know what? The American Society of Civil Engineers, a non-political group, says we need to invest $3 trillion in rebuilding our infrastructure. I'm suggesting a trillion over the next few years. But you know what? That's real money, and that is tax dollars. And if your belief is if you sign some Grover Norquist pledge not to raise taxes, well, you know what? You can't support that. So I think you know what you're looking at is not that people, well, sensible people, including some Republicans, they understand this stuff. But they have to look at the politics, and their their base has been, you know, told that raising taxes on any way, shape, or form is terrible. If that's the case, you can't rebuild the infrastructure. If you're told that climate change does not exist, despite the fact that the overwhelming majority of scientists believe that it does, well, then you're stuck in that position. When you um, look at certain things in your plan, one is making it easier, and I agree, for workers to join unions and bargain for higher wages and benefits. Uh, this obviously is going to be um, met with great resistance by the right who tried have tried to demonize and blame anything economically in a negative uh, manner on our unions. And, you know, you also talk about expanding Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and nutrition programs. And I'm really with you that you added nutrition to that, Senator. Um, this is obviously going to be made, met with great resistance by the right. Am I mis- I'm assuming I'm right in that. And are the Democrats uh, supporting you? Uh, you know, uh, do you have the full-fledged support of the Democrats who you caucus with uh, on this plan? No. I mean, we'll have the support of some, and we will not have the support of others, and we'll have partial support. I mean, there will be some support for, you know, there will be members supporting every position, sometimes more, sometimes less. Uh, In terms of the union issue, I think you're right. Uh, What the Koch brothers and the Republicans do understand is that their major source of grassroots opposition in this country is the trade union movement. It is workers uh, collectively negotiating decent contracts for themselves, and it's being involved in politics. And that is the last thing that the uh, Koch brothers and the Republican Party want. So they will continue an assault on uh, the trade union movement. In my view, um, trade unions in this country have played an enormously important role, not only for their own members, but when they fought for Social Security way back when, in Medicare, and Medicaid, and federal aid to education, and affordable housing, that's benefited tens of millions of Americans who are not in trade unions. And if we continue the race to the bottom, and unions are not there to keep wages reasonably high, then every American suffers, whether or not you are in a union. So I am a strong believer in unions. I believe that workers have the right to join unions, and they can't be impeded every day. Uh, by the aggressive tactics of uh, companies. I want to ask you two more questions. If we have time, we have two minutes. I'll make it quick. First is, I've heard that you're making a decision 
within the first few months of 2015 on whether to bid for the presidency of the United States. And some people say that you're putting forth such a bold economic agenda that many people are saying seeks to transform politics. And I think it's about time. Um, does, is that giving us a little appetizer for the meal about to come, Senator? <laughs> well, you know, I think, Leslie, what it is saying is if I chose to run, if I decided to run, then, you know, these would be some of the issues that I would be fighting for. Uh, I think at a time when the you know working class, the middle class of this country are being batted, we need voices out there uh, to stand up to the billionaire class and protect the interests of ordinary Americans. The, the difficult for, difficulty for me is if I do something, I want to do it well. And when you take on the billionaire class and you take on the you know political establishment and the media establishment and, and the corporate establishment and Wall Street and the oil companies. That's not, that's not an easy endeavor, you know. And uh, I want to ascertain uh, what kind of appetite the American people have for that fight. Uh, what kind of support is there going to be? If there's not that kind of support, people say, hey, it's hopeless, you can't do it, these guys are just too powerful. Fine. Okay. I, you know, I'm very proud and happy to be Vermont senator. Uh, but if uh, there is the kind of support for that, then I would be prepared to do that. And that's what we're trying to ascertain right now. And uh, I love the fact that you had said you will not play the role of a spoiler. Would you play the role if you decided not to run a vice president if uh, the Democratic <laughs> nominee chose you? <laughs> I'm not sure who would ask me to be vice president. <laughs> so, <laughs> I haven't heard that suggestion before. Sorry, whichever order you want to put it in, Sanders-Clinton, Clinton-Sanders ticket, uh, I, I think would be uh, I think it would be un- unbeatable. Uh, last, I know, I know we uh, have to go, and I appreciate your time. If you don't mind, um, does the increased awareness Americans have about the damage Citizens United is causing, have you hopeful about changing this in the future, Senator? It is. Leslie, thanks for the question. Because at the end of the day, whether you're concerned about the economy, education, nutrition, climate change, you must be even more concerned about campaign finance. Because so long as the billionaire class can pour in huge sums of money, there was a piece in Politico today, the Washington newspaper, talking about how the Koch brothers now have a more sophisticated political operation than the Republican Party. They're going to have political information, a database on 250 million Americans. Okay? And if these guys and the billionaires out there are able to buy elections, uh, and if we don't overturn Citizens United, and if we don't move to public funding of elections, wow, we got some very, very serious problems in front of us. Absolutely, and I like prevention. Uh, thank you, Senator. Senator Sanders has his plan. Go to sanders.senate.gov uh, to read it for yourself. You just heard it here. It's a 12-point plan. It makes sense to me. I like it, and I like the fact he's not just saying, yeah, I have some ideas, He's and it's also, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Leslie Marshall. It's there. Also, at Sen Sanders, S-E-N-S-A-N-D-E-R-S. Follow him. And uh, you can find all the information for yourself. Don't let me or anybody else tell you about this. Check it out for yourself and form your own opinions.